Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club. The Phileas Club is a show where we talk about the news, but with people from different cultures and backgrounds. And so we get different views and opinions on what's happening in the news and around the world. My name is Patrick Beja, and this show is possible because you support it. And by you, I mean the people who do. But if you want to be a person who does, then you can become. It's so easy. Uh, no difficult conversion ceremony. Just go to patreon.com slash the Phileas Club and you can support the show and help it run. Without you, it does not exist. So if the show brings something to you, knowledge, entertainment, uh, openness of mind, which is why I do the show and uh, it's kind of the one lacking thing in our media world, um, then... If you enjoy that part, by all means, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Club. The link is in the show notes. And without further ado, let's jump into the show itself. Well, introductions first. As I said, my name is Patrick Beja. I am originally from France. I'm currently living in Finland with my wonderful, wonderful wife and a little child who's been driving us a little bit crazy, although he's adorable. Um, and... On the show today, we have two Americans and two Americans who are, can I say Tony and Alex, of conservative sensibilities? Is that a fair assessment? Sounds sure. fair of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I'll let you talk about yourselves rather than describe you. Uh, let's start with Tony, who's been on the show many times, but not in the past few months, which I was shocked at realizing. Uh, I, I missed you, Tony. And I never thought I would say that of a conservative. So you see, anything can happen. Um, I'm kidding. I have many conservative friends. I can count them on the fingers of at least one hand uh how's it going tony it's going very well thank you and i've missed you as well missed doing this and uh and as an introduction to myself my name is tony i'm from southeast ohio uh that's one of the the medium-sized states in the middle of the country and i am a banker and a dad of three and a husband of one <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as Patrick said, I am a I'm a conservative uh, conservative Christian, uh, which puts me in a whole different level. And I am grateful, and it's my pleasure to be here today. Thank you for joining us, Tony. Uh, Alex well, has been on this show um, before as well. Was it once or twice? I can't remember. Maybe it just was once. once. Yeah, yeah, just once. Uh, so thanks for being on again. Uh, you are also of conservative sensibilities, um, although you don't really i think tony fits a little bit of my image of a conservative like my reasonable image uh 
Alex, from the, the discussions we've had, you, you, you don't really fit my cliches, but uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself so our audience knows where you're coming from. Well, Patrick, I've heard no higher compliment. I aim to misbehave. Um, <laughs> my name is Alex Mitchell. Uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, North Atlanta, Georgia, um, which is a uh, state in the southern, southeastern area of the United States. So, you know, it's a very, very conservative area. Um, I am socially more liberal than, yeah, most conservatives, uh, as Patrick mentioned, but I am also fiscally very conservative. Um, you know, leaning probably more libertarian in those areas. So uh, that's that's me. I'm a strength coach down here, uh, and I uh, basically help people who are either undergoing cancer treatment or are just, you know, growing older and finding that they're weaker. I help them become more independent and younger. Wonderful. I, I can't remember if I asked you that question, and feel free to not answer if you don't want to, but did you vote for Donald Trump or, or not? Uh, I I think I mentioned um, I, I I I did a write-in ballot, so I did not. Okay, all right. Um, so you know, I I'm thinking as I'm doing this little intro that I'm kind of falling into a trap which I don't really like, which is kind of jumping into that playful oh i hate conservatives and i'm a d democrat and i'm so first of all i'm not from the us so democrat i don't really think even applies to me at all even though i'm probably closer to that in um my political sensitivities but uh or sensibilities but i i as I'm talking, I'm realizing, oh, I'm, I'm making that playful distinction, which is still reinforcing the uh, divide. And certainly, we are uh, uh, from different political sensibilities, as, as I'm, we have been mentioning since the beginning. But I don't know, like, if this show has taught me anything, it's that f most of the time when I talk to people that I don't agree with on the surface, it's... Like when I was telling in the beginning, I mean, Tony, we've been talking for, what is it, like two years, three years? And sure, we don't know each other very well. We, we, we talk about stuff every few months and we interact a little bit here and there. But really, when I first invited you on the show, it was like, oh, let's have the, the you know, religious conservative guy give us his view on things. Uh, but now I really don't think about that. I think about, you know, the dad, the guy who works in finance and um, the, the Christian without any kind of political uh, affiliation attached to it. And I, I don't know why, just I feel the need to mention, the, to mention this now, because having that, that uh, a jokey, oh, you're a conservative and I'm not, I know I have a conservative friend, like we were joking about before the show, oh, I have a black friend, so I'm not a racist, like... It feels a little bit icky even joking about it because it, it doesn't really feel true. It feels more manufactured than true. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is making any sense, but I felt like saying it. Yeah, yeah. I I would uh, I would say that that's exactly right. All categories are manufactured, though. So you know, yeah. I mean, we've we made up race, we made up political distinction, we made up all that. I mean, okay, now you're going to the other extreme. I don't think I would say, like, you know, we, we made up, there are political parties, and even though they're very opposed in the US, it still means, you know, it's a way of, of saying what you think. 
but it's just i guess in in maybe going into in the direction you're going into it feels like when we say these things we classify humans which is i guess what you meant i guess i guess what i'm saying though is is that if if you're you know say you're in high school it's super easy when you put it in these terms you're in high school and you're a jock right Mm. so you play sports and you do all this stuff and you're cool and the popular girls like you and all this kind of thing but you also play video games right but this is circa like 1980s 1990s well Mm. then you're kind of a nerd too but we only have that dissonance because we made up those categorizations you can be both a jock and a nerd in the same way that you can think about and that you can agree with conservatives and liberals on different platforms like you can take a little of both it's not illegal it's uh it's funny the jocks geeks cheerleaders things is a cultural thing that has permeated the whole world but i really feel that is a very american thing like of course you have categories of people you know everywhere and it there were more popular and less popular people in my high school as well but it was not divided like that like not at all um so yeah anyway yeah go ahead tony well i was gonna couple things first of all the jock cheerleader thing that's going to depend on your high school a little bit i went to a very small high school and it just wasn't like that it definitely wasn't like the television shows which of course make uh, take everything to the extreme but secondly gotta remember patrick we're the best of the people there are certainly some people out there that because you're a liberal or i'm a conservative would definitely not want to sit down and have a conversation with me so uh uh, but maybe more people like us will become like us through this show, and that would be a good thing. Mm. I, I I have a question for you, Tony. How how many people off the top of your head do you think you could name who are of that ilk, both uh, d- Democrat and conservative, who would just not sit down with another? Now, keep in mind, I live in a very rural uh, part of southeast Ohio, so 90 percent of the people that i encounter on a daily basis in real life are very similar to me um and and i will also add a caveat to what i said by appearances that's the way it goes at least from the things that some of these people say online now of course they're saying things online which amplifies their emotions but so i don't know very many people that wouldn't sit down at a conversation with me in real life just because most of the people always agree with me. (laughs) Not always. Sure. But do you think some of them, do you think some of them would refuse to sit down and discuss with uh, 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 a Democrat, a more, you know, liberal person? Yes. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, not 100% of the people, but 100% there there are certain ones. Yes. Who would just like refuse to have a conversation. Yes. Wow. Okay. Maybe we should do a special on that at some point. It would be interesting yeah. for, for you to describe uh, those people and, and how they live or how you perceive they live. That would be an interesting one. Um, but that's not the, the conversation we're going to have today. Um, as you saw on the title of the episode, this is another kind of checking in with the U.S. Uh, conservative edition because you both are conservatives. And I, I again, have a certain image of um, what is happening in the U.S. 
And it's not uh, an overall flattering one, especially on the federal level. Um, this has been informed by a lot of things I've been reading online, discussions I've had with friends, and uh, it's it's kind of passed through a, a, a filter, but everyone's perception of reality is passed through a filter. So uh, that applies to everyone. But I think my understanding of what's happening in your country is kind of probably... Uh, shared by a lot of people outside of the U.S., and I'm guessing a, a decent number of uh, moderates on both sides of the political aisle in the U.S., within the U.S. as well. Um, and, and I'm curious, you know, I, I, I well, I'm not going to speculate on what you think, but I'll tell you how I view things now, and you'll tell me that, you know, if you have a different view on it, because I'm very curious to know what uh, uh, the people on the right side of the uh, uh, of the political U.S. think of all of this, um, and we had a checking in with the U.S. episode a couple of months ago with Tom, my our good friend Tom Merritt, um, who is, as I joked in the episode, uh, excruciatingly neutral. Like he tends to be. It's like he's an extremist reasonable. He he puts everything uh, uh, into perspective to an to an extent that I think is extreme, as I as I mentioned. Um, but that and other things have kind of informed my view on it, and of course the news that I see everywhere, uh, including U.S. sources and uh, European sources. And so to get to the crux of it, to the crux of it, um, my understanding, if I want to summarize the entirety of the situation, is that uh, the states have been in charge of a lot of things and have mostly been doing acceptably well. But of course, uh, the the big question is the involvement of the federal government, which has done a few things, uh, you know, uh, help packages and things to help the economy and things like that. Uh, but there has been a lack of coordination from the federal level and the impulsiveness of Donald Trump. I, my impression is that it's not just that it didn't help, or I guess it's uh, another way of you of saying the same thing. It's not just that it didn't help. It's that it was needed and it wasn't there. So it's not like, oh, well, things went okay and, uh, you know, it, they could have done gone better if the federal government had uh, coordinated and helped more. It's that states have been needing to uh, work harder and over time because the federal government hasn't been responding in all of the areas it should have been. And Trump, being who he is, uh, is not capable of um, correctly addressing the, the very difficult situation that the US and every other country is in. Um, and I don't think it's a complete disaster, as some people, I'm sure, would put it. But it's looking like, you know, you, maybe you wouldn't grade it an F, but you, it's not just, you know, a C or a B. I think it feels like 
less than that and there are some important missed opportunities um that that should not have been missed so and and the the person of donald trump himself even if you put aside his uh antics which are difficult to put aside in a, a time of you know this importance uh, uh and this crisis even if you put those aside he's not been doing very well uh, in his charge of president of the U.S. So this is roughly how I see it. Um, let's, let's start with Tony, who's maybe on the more conservative side. Um, and there's also the, the uh, um, religious factor, which I think is interesting for some reason. Um, but yeah, so Tony, how, how do you view how things are, have gone until now? We can talk about how things are today and how they're going to be, uh, you know, in the next few weeks and months. But until now, for the past few months, how do you view the situation? Well, Patrick, it's kind of hard to respond to, to your synopsis of how things have gone because you, you mentioned that things there were missed opportunities things didn't go the way they should have but you didn't give specifics like what you're thinking so uh it, just in general at least in my neck of the woods think it's it, i don't want to say it's been a non-issue because we're all staying home we're, we're locked down sort of as <laughs> said that in the pre-show we're we're not truly locked down but we we don't go out um but it, it hasn't we've had two cases in my county and no deaths. So uh, it other than the fact that we've all changed what we've been doing, which has been a state uh, mandated item, not a federal mandated item. Um, we are it, it hasn't really affected Meg's County, Ohio. Uh, Having you were said mentioning that, oh, go ahead. before the show, uh, just because the listeners don't have that, uh, might be interested in knowing what the situation, you know, what kind of lockdown you're in. It's you're working from home, going to work a couple of days, uh, uh, a couple of times a week if you need to. Uh, but other than that, your your kids are home, your wife is home, and uh, you don't go out much. Like you're, when you say it hasn't affected us much, it it might make it sound like you're just, you know, going out just as you were before, but that's not the case. Yeah, we, we don't go out. We, we don't go out to eat. Restaurants are closed. So the way it's locked down here in Ohio, restaurants are closed uh, to dine in. So you could go to a drive through. You can go get pickup. Mm. Um, most businesses that uh, provide non-essential functions are shut down retail clothing things like that some you know small businesses like that um, our sports uh, both of my boys play baseball that has been shut down for the year um, and as far as work I am a banker so I am considered a, an essential employee so I do work from home I do go to my office a couple times a week and every now and then I do have to visit a customer's location because I provide tech support for some of their products um, but we have been I had my what I do is I have to wear a mask when I go to the customer's location I have to wear gloves and do and social distance six feet from the customer whenever possible um, so yeah it is it's affected us greatly but other than that, 
that's what I meant. Other than all of that, which is hard to say because that's a it's a gigantic effect. This has been the the craziest thing that's ever happened in my lifetime. Uh, my wife and I have talked about that. My kids will have this experience, and this it's been the biggest upheaval to our lives that we've ever had. However, the the sickness and the death have not been in my area, and that's mm. what I was trying to convey. Um, but as far as the federal involvement, I don't know what else they should or could have done. I know that there were some issues with tests at, at the very beginning, and that was a failure. They We didn't have enough tests, and that was a problem. Um, but the rules, the lockdowns, things like that have been happening at the state level, and I'm one of those Americans who thinks that's the way it should be, because the way Ohio responds to something like this should not be the way New York responds to something like this, because we have very different setups. Um, I, in fact, I one of the things that I do criticize about the way the Ohio governor has done things is the way Meigs County, Ohio responds to this should not be the same way that Franklin County, Ohio, which is where Columbus is, uh, responds to this because it's very different. Uh, in Columbus, they probably should have lockdowns. We probably didn't even need to be locked down in Meigs County. I understand it. I'm not complaining about it too much, but to be realistic, we probably didn't need that where I am. Um, it was unnecessary. I say that I mean, as someone with no experience in these things, but... <laughs> no, I understand. I mean, if you've had like two recorded cases... Uh, the thing is, it's you know that it might not have been necessary once you know that you've only had two recorded cases, but it's hard to know when people are traveling from all over the, the state and some people will come from out of state, out of county. So initially, you, 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 know, you might be more prudent and say, all right, let's just lock down for a few weeks and see what happens. I think that's not an unreasonable response, right? Absolutely. I never thought it was unreasonable. Right. Uh, and, and I think uh, that it was needed at the very beginning, but it certainly went on longer than it probably should have, at least for right. us. You know, it's it's really interesting because you're describing the situation uh, in, in a way that is, oops, sorry, uh, in a way that is pretty similar to what's been happening here as well um, in rural Finland, and even in, you know, uh, uh, well, maybe it was a little bit more harsh in France, but uh, I think it was mostly similar. So um, that's that's interesting. And to, to get back to what you were saying about I'm not giving specific examples, um, I'll confess, I still think there are some things that should have been coordinated on the federal level to help. Maybe it didn't apply necessarily to areas that are, you know, that were less affected like yours, but it feels like um, areas that needed more help could have been, uh, uh, you know, there could have been some coordination, maybe uh, spreading the the cases, the people, uh, uh, the sick people, and the, uh, the, the, the medical equipment and all of that um, could have been helped on the federal level. But... I'll admit as well, I'm not a super huge expert on this and I don't know enough of the um, American situation. So while I'm not sure I've disproven my feelings, I'll admit that it is 
kind of at least partly feelings rather than actual knowledge, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'll admit that. I'll, I'll also say, and then I'll ask Alex how, how things have been going on in his uh, part of the country. Um, I'll also say on the test side, initially it was like no one had tests and no one had masks. And uh, that was a contentious issue, very contentious issue in France as well. Um, but, you know, it's like the first time you face a difficulty, you don't know how to handle it, no matter how many times your teacher has told you and your, you know, you've read about it in books. It's, it's never easy the first time you do something that difficult and that different. Um, so... And I if know. I may, the mask thing has been contentious here as well, because at the beginning, because there was a shortage, we were told as general citizens, don't wear masks, don't waste masks, save those for medical personnel. But yep. now, of course, we're told if you go out, need you need mask. to wear a mask. So um, I understand why they did that. It was more necessary for medical personnel then. And the the private businesses that have shifted their production to start making masks and other uh, equipment, that has been awesome. And hopefully they'll make some money from that as well uh, to, because you know they're, they're selling them cheap, but they're still using their costs. So, um, but there, there has been a lot of businesses that have shifted to help in this situation. And, and I think that's great. And just to, to not my horn, but my bank's horn, we bought thousands of masks for our employees to use uh, because one of the recommendations for the state government is if you're going to be open, you need to wear a mask, your employees need to wear a mask. But we also bought thousands of extra masks to send to the local medical centers as well uh, for free. So I'm very proud of my bank for that as well. Yeah, it's a, it was a very similar situation in France, at least. Uh, in Honestly, in... Uh, the north and sweden is kind of a specific case but in finland it's like yeah wear masks uh but eh, whatever kind of a little bit <laughs> so everyone's wearing it, people are now starting to wear masks but um in france in the beginning of course we requisitioned all of the masks to give them to uh to to medical personnel as you mentioned and we were told masks are not needed and now people are angry because they're like, oh, but we should have had masks. Why did you say they aren't needed when now you say they're needed? You lied to us. And and I guess I'm, again, on the same line as you are, Tony, because I'm like, well, they were needed by the medical personnel. And they can't really trust the population who was rushing to buy toilet paper, <laughs> you know, to if they say, well, it's better to wear masks, but we need them for uh, uh, medical personnel, of course they wouldn't have had all the masks and it would have created panic and it would like, so anyway, now we wear masks and uh, it's probably better to do so. And also, I'll also mention this, the medical community was torn on the issues of masks because we weren't, they, they thought they didn't really help and they worried that people would ignore other safety precautions and measures if they had the masks because they felt they were being um, protected when they actually weren't as much as they uh, anticipated. So that was also a factor to take into account. And 
yeah, anyway, masks. Alex, uh, so we've talked for a little bit now, but uh, how do you view the past two months and how the different levels of government have uh, operated and how efficient they've been? Yeah, I uh, I really couldn't agree more with Tony as far as um, it goes with the state by state uh, activation of procedures. Um, you know, in Georgia, it looks like we're kind of in a similar position to Ohio. Uh, we've got about 10,000 more confirmed cases. We've also ramped up our testing a pretty good bit in recent days. And we've got about 1500 deaths. Um, that means that, you know, for instance, uh, I have contacted every single person I have uh, been in contact with or met or worked with in the last four years. And there is one person I know who even knows anyone who has had COVID-19. So, um, you know, there, there are Atlanta needed to shut down, especially downtown Atlanta, midtown Atlanta. But, um, you know, certainly rural areas in the state. And that's the majority of the state, by the way, Georgia in South Carolina, Alabama, they're they're very large land masses, obviously, and most of the inhabitants live in maybe not most, but most of the area is taken up by rural inhabitations, right? Rural towns, rural cities that are that are not very large and probably don't need to really shut down, um, at least not for a long period of time. So uh, you know, it's I know that there has been so much dissonance about how Donald Trump is handling this and how the states don't know what to do. And to some degree, I think that, you know, it's a really crappy time to be a governor of a state right now because it's there's you sort of damned if you do damned if you don't. But it you you couldn't have the president of the United States making this autocratic declaration that the whole country needs to shut down because the Northeast is losing their shit. <laughs> that, that's, uh, I don't think that's French. what people are were expecting or calling for. Uh, I don't think people well, were saying... The, the reason I say that is mm. because uh, there's all, there's about you know, uh, 80,000 deaths in the entire United States and almost 40,000 of those are, are happened in new happened in, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, New England, that kind of area. So, um, you know, if you, if you look at that and you say, okay, the, the vast majority of the United States, uh, air, surface area is not experiencing, you know, massive breakouts and massive, um, hotspots, then, in in what way did we handle this, you know, really poorly? Mm. Other than you know New York having twenty one thousand, almost twenty two thousand dead. Yeah, I mean it, it. The fact that an area is less densely populated, of course, helps a lot, but it doesn't mean that there can't be an outbreak there as well because we still travel. There's still you know so precautions. Some kind of precautions do need to sure. be put in and, place, and, and you, you have testing and yeah. You see that in California, right? California did did a, a pretty darn exquisite job of shutting down, um, and they have larger population centers, I believe, than New York City. Um, certainly, a couple of them, and uh, they have not experienced anywhere near. I mean, they are a tenth of the deaths from the virus that New York experienced. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of when you see what's happening in your front you know the the your neighbor you then you realize and then you can do it the reason why we have very few deaths in finland 
is because, well, first of all, there's less population density, but also it took a little bit, you know, just a week longer to get to us. And by that time, we had seen everyone starting to shut down mid-March, so we did it as well. Um, well, so but California shut down early. They shut down very early, and New York took a very long time to shut down. Um, did California shut down before New York? They, I, I, you know, you, you, you might get someone to fact check me on that because I'm mm. not positive. But um, certainly, you know, if you're looking at where this thing came from, um, if if you were looking at it at vectors from China, then I would expect that to hit California um, very early on, at least on a timetable. Uh, but regardless of that, I'm almost certain that California shut down before New York and they, they were, they were very aggressive in their procedures. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they, the minute this was made, uh, political on the left, it's more, you know, harder. It's, it's more like they, they want to, or almost like overcorrect on the right. It's almost like undercorrect, but um, because, you know, the governor of California, um, I imagine, actually I haven't checked, but I imagine he is a, a liberal leaning person. Um, yes at, yeah, at, at Gavin Newsom, he, he did go ahead and shut down the entire state, uh, pretty, pretty harshly. And, uh, you know, he has been rewarded for it and that New York is making a fool of themselves and, and California is not. So. What do you think of the, um, it's difficult to, to take it as fact, but what we're seeing here, as always, is a very fractured conversation and debate between the two camps, um, as always, and we're hearing about the most extreme views in both camps, which I, 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 I often mention, but it seems like the least reasonable is often on the right side. I'm sorry guys for saying it, but that's how I feel. Um, and and it, well, it's, it very well might be because you just hear about them more, but they're still a tiny minority, but. Uh, yeah, that's what's in the news. But you know, I've got people who, who are, um, you know, the, all they watch is CNN, all they read is the times and they are, they are scared to come out of their house in Georgia they are scared to come out of their house until the end of July. And that's just as unreasonable as someone saying, I'm not going to wear a mask because it violates my free right of, you know, whatever they say. It's it's just as insane. It's just maybe more socially okay to be that kind of insane. Well, I mean, I don't know the, the thing about this pandemic. You know, the pandemic is real. So I'm not saying people who don't want to get out of their house in Georgia, it depends where they live. If they live in a big city, they might be justified in in saying, you know, I don't want to catch that thing. Well, but even if they do live in Atlanta, right? Mm. Let's say they live in downtown Atlanta. The entire state has now, uh, I could be wrong about this, but everywhere, everywhere is allowed to be open because our governor gave a declaration that that superseded any other city's uh, ability to shut down. Uh, we were we were the first state to open up. <clears throat> and again, our death total has remained small. You know, we're at 1460 now. That's a lagging indicator, so it may well be that we get another spike. But, you know, so far from the data we have available right now, it seems like it is okay to practice social distancing 
maybe you don't want to ride Marta, the the subway system here, but you can go and you know uh, carry on about your business if you need to. So you mean not when you say going out, house. when you when you're saying going out, you're saying like you're not saying you know go to a concert. <laughs> you're saying go out no. and practice no social distancing, maybe wear a mask, for go out for your groceries and yes, and stuff exactly. like that. You like, don't have to pay Instacart. You don't have to, you know, it's you don't have to uh, irradiate your food when you get it delivered. You know, probably don't go to a concert. Probably maybe <laughs> I, I don't I don't know about going to restaurants at the moment. Right, um, yeah. Dine in at a restaurant. Maybe the patio area seems safe. But, um, you know, you can go to if you need something from CVS or you need something from Kroger or whatever it is, need something from the pharmacy, you can go get it. So you mean there are people who are like, oh, I will not go out of my house, like, period, until the I have end of several the clients. I have several clients who are who are not who are not removing themselves from so self-isolation until the end of July. Aren't your clients a little bit older? Like, aren't they on risk groups? Or you're talking about other people who aren't in risk groups? I'm so some of them are not the ones I'm talking about. I I, I would not fault them for eh, July still is probably a little a little pushing it. I mean, we'll see what happens being cautious, though. Mm. Right, exactly. It's 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 making it a date. That's kind of silly and insane. But I would not fault, you know, anyone who's undergoing chemotherapy. This is a horrible horrible time for them um anyone who's who is over the age of really you know 70 or in a compromised position this is those people are really the people who are being most hit by this and i think there's a lot of histrionics that's taking away from what they're facing it's funny you know every time we have these kinds of conversations we end up and i'm including tony in this and I, I, I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but mostly we agree on most, you know, <sighs> on most of it. Like, the situation you're describing is pretty similar to what we're getting now in, in France and what we're heading towards in uh, Finland. And in France, things have not been going great. We have a lot of deaths. Um, and, and, but even then, I think the situation we're heading towards is, well, we're probably not going to really see the end of it until we have a vaccine, which is at the earliest a year and a half away. Uh, And we can't stay in complete maximum lockdown nonstop for two years. So the the quote-unquote game we're going to play, that's my interpretation. They're not saying it like this, but what we're going to do is we're going to be flexible on social distancing measures and lockdown and might return to it if we need to. But the, the compass is going to be the health services capacity. If it gets overwhelmed or if it shows signs of uh, heading towards an, an overwhelmed state, then we need to tighten the screws a little bit. And when things... Uh, uh, are a little bit better, then maybe we can relax things a little bit. And it's going to go back and forth some like for a while. But the idea that maybe a little bit naively we were heading towards two months ago was we we can't get the virus. The reality is we're probably most of us going to get it um, over the, the two years. And that because we can't just lock down everything not just for the economy, because the economy is, of course, a, a valid concern, 
But not just because of that, if only for children, they need to be schooled, <laughs> like in the sense that they need to be socialized and go to school and, and learn stuff. There are some categories of, of you know, social categories that are at risk if they don't go to school. Um, anyway, that kind of thing. So I guess overall, the, the, the various views on this and tendencies are kind of converging throughout the world in that consensus, which is fairly similar if you don't read Twitter, I guess. Um, yeah, if if you if you ignore, you know, the histrionics and the political theater, this make this whole situation doesn't make sense because we don't know anything because this virus is so brand new. We have no data on it. That's that's, you know, actually scientific and that it's peer reviewed and that it's been replicated, all that. But it you can actually, you know, sort of make sense of why the federal government of the United States, for for instance, didn't shut down the entire, you know, 50 states of the union. Mm. You can make sense of these things. Let's talk a little bit about um, how things are are going now and how you see them going. As we said, we don't know what's going to happen in a couple of months, but in the next few weeks, maybe. And uh Tony, you were saying earlier that um, your your church is reopening with social distancing measures, uh, these kinds of things. How are things going now in, in the next few weeks? Well, like you said, things are slowly reopening. Um, my church, we they shut down pretty early in the process, um, and we've been doing online church on Facebook or YouTube since then. Uh, last Wednesday, we opened back up and we are, every other row is closed off and they're, they're trying to keep a couple of seats between each family unit there. Uh, it's, it's going well. I, I wasn't sure what to expect the first time back. We have a church of, uh, under normal circumstances, about 400 to 500 people. Um, and I wouldn't make a guess at how many showed up. I'm terrible with estimating numbers like that, but I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure if it would be a ghost town or if it would be packed just because people were ready to come back to church, but it was somewhere in the middle. Um, there were mm. some people there, uh, quite a few wearing masks and, uh, but there were a lot of people absent. So, and, and you know, any church is going to have its share of congregation that's in the the high risk category the older people um stuff like that so there were a lot of older folks at the church didn't show up but a lot did so um my you know my kids uh were very excited to get back of course we were actually they opened but they didn't do our children's program they're they're still not doing the children's program yet. I think they're going to start that back up in a couple of weeks, but they're, they're easing back in is the point. They, they didn't just open the doors and say, come on in, give everyone a big hug. Uh, in <laughs> fact, they've made announcements that uh, hugging may, may be avoided right now. It's thrilled me. I'm not a, I'm not a hugger anyway, <laughs> you know, at church, I just give me my space under normal circumstances. So this, this suits me just fine. But a um, lot of, a lot of, conversation about whether that's a good idea or a bad idea but to, to reopen um, the church you mean 
Yeah, yeah, not the hugging hmm. thing, but the, the reopening <laughs> of the church. Hugging um, is probably a bad idea. <laughs> well, anytime. Um, <laughs> but better than a handshake. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a fist bumper. Yeah, mm, me it, too. Under under any circumstances, me but too. um, but yeah, there. You know, I haven't heard a lot of people saying the churches reopening are a bad thing. Um, uh, and, and I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure people are saying this crazy Christians aren't social distancing. They're going to church. But I know it was when when it was in the middle of it, in the thick of it, I guess, uh, the peop- the churches that were still going were heavily criticized. And I would have I was one of the people criticizing, you know, I, I'm a I'm not a if the government tells me to do something, I'm going to do something no matter what kind of guy. But if uh, if I'm told to stay home to avoid an infectious disease, I'm probably going to follow follow along, uh, mm. and our church was one of the good ones that shut down when it was told to. And now that they were told that they could reopen, they reopened. So I think they're doing things the way that they should be done. You know, it's when you say the church is reopening, and my first reaction is, "Oh, that is a bad idea." Um, but when you describe it further with social distancing and especially the number of cases in your county being so low, it's like, all right, you know, <laughs> if things turn out to be, to, to go bad at some point, then we can revisit it. But I mean, I'm guessing if there are, you know, if the situation changes, you close things down once, I'm, I'm guessing you wouldn't, you know, you might think it's a good idea if number of cases start to increase all of a sudden to, to close things down again until things quiet down um i'm guessing oh tell me if i'm wrong sure i I mean if if there's a reason we'll do it and Mm. and, you know our pastor talked about it when the the service before they shut down when he said you know we're not having service uh on sunday um he he said if the government just told us you can't have church we would be here however if the government says you can't have church because of this thing, of this disease, that makes sense. So um, my church is one of those churches, Patrick, that does the uh, does have their ear to the ground on whether or not the government is ever going to shut us down just because we're Christians. So we're a little <laughs> crazy in that respect. Um, <laughs> so, okay, let's just, just for 30 seconds, I don't want to turn, maybe this would be another whole episode onto itself, but... You really think that at some point the government would want to shut you down because you're Christians? That's uh, actually something that some people in your congregation think? Yes. Okay. Not Absolutely. because yeah. we're Christians, but because of the beliefs that offend people. And I'm not saying this this year, next year, five years, but I believe that as, as society changes and passes by uh, the Christian beliefs— that um you know the social beliefs that we we believe that aren't well accepted uh like what yes, abortion? I, I do what else uh homosexuality and any kind of any kind of sin adultery um uh, abortion maybe but uh so homosexuality your things like that now we're going to stop being friends. You th- you think homosexuality is a sin that should be fought and I don't know. I'm I'm 
how how far does it okay. go in your congregation? Since since you you said we're not going to be friends anymore, goodness. <laughs> um, he, here is I'll, I'll give the quick version. Okay. Uh, and this is so the Bible states that homosexuality is a sin. The Bible mm-hmm. also states that adultery and fornication are sins. Um, the church does not, my church does not go out of its way to condemn homosexuality, but it does not accept, uh, it doesn't say sin is okay. Everyone's okay. No matter what mm. you're doing, you're fine. You're going to heaven because that's not what the Bible says. Okay. Uh, if you're, and I'm, I'm a guy that if you're going to say you believe the Bible, you need to believe the Bible and not pick and choose and say, well, no, I don't like that. Um, having said that. A, a homosexual or an adulterer or a fornicator, they're welcome to come to the church, but they might hear the pastor say, the Bible says homosexuality and fornication. Cool. And yeah. Yes, what you're doing is not what the Bible says, and if, yeah. you know, it, it's not the path that leads to heaven. Now, I am a little different probably from the rest of my church in that I'm a little bit libertarian on... Uh, homosexual marriage and things like that i think the government should be out of marriage altogether okay so (laughs) so if but if yeah okay all right we're not going to dive into that but what you said doesn't like overly shock me because i was like if if that's what the people who come to the church believe you know everyone believes what they want kind of if you don't yeah we're not gonna dive into the question of homosexuality but it seems right. to me that sometimes uh uh religious beliefs influence like would you go out and tell people who are homosexuals that they're sinners and that they shouldn't be homosexuals or do you just no right no but i don't go out and tell people that are shacking up that they're sinners and shouldn't be shacking up either well and and <laughs> forgive me if i misunderstand but you know it's the the bible also talks about judgment and you know that's not for for any like mortal man to make so just as much <laughs> as it All might right. not be I'm 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 going to shut it down cuz we're going to dive into the, very interesting theological conversations um, we, about the, you know what the, the Bible says in the midst of a global pandemic. Right? Yes, <laughs> if if we want to figure out what the Bible says, I think we're going to be here a while. Uh, more clever people than us have, or than me, uh, have tried. But um, but I appreciate the the clarification on uh those beliefs that that you mentioned, Tony. So, uh, thanks for explaining well, that. The point was if we say those things, that is where the concern about getting shut down lies, Mm. right? Because um, that's already the case in some places. It's considered hate speech. And, and that's, that's where that was. That was how that whole thing got started. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think it depends how far you take the homosexuality as a sin thing. And I'm guessing in the U S it is a little bit more. uh, So let's, let's just quickly, uh, uh, show what the show is about and i'll tell you how my stance is on that uh, what my stance is on those things in france uh, uh, religion is a very separate thing from public life and so if uh, some religious groups believe that homosexuality is a sin and it's like okay you know it's not really like 
it borders probably on hate speech maybe but if that if you think that it's not cool essentially if you don't attach the word sin all of a sudden it it kind of loses the drama if you say you don't like homosexuality uh but don't actually go out and discriminate someone against someone because they're homosexual uh then okay like everyone has their own ideas i suppose uh the 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 hate speech barrier would be uh i don't know what a sin means because if you don't believe in god then someone who says well if you if you're a homosexual you won't go to heaven doesn't really affect you right or if you your belief is that well it's a little bit more nuanced god loves everyone and in my belief uh homosexuals can go to heaven then okay you you believe your thing and i believe my thing and it doesn't really you know if you don't go out and and i don't know it's a complicated topic which i probably shouldn't have <laughs> driven us into but i don't know if what i'm saying makes sense to other people but it kind of makes sense to me and what i'm getting at to get back to your uh uh fear of being shut down by the government tony um in in france i don't think that would be a concern because things are already very separate and i don't see how it would be like unless you go out and proactively discriminate which i'm guessing you you don't do <laughs> no no and like I, if someone if someone said, came to your bank oh sorry go ahead well what you were saying i i don't know and, and they're out there don't I, I i know they're out there but most christians i know even if they're if they believe that something is a sin we'll just say something is a sin we don't have to be specific if they right. believe a sin is a sin and that person walks into their business they're not going to discriminate against that person um, and and that is probably a misconception that most people have. Most people look at a Christian and think they think this thing is a sin. Therefore, they're discriminating against that person and therefore they're bad. And the truth of the matter is the high vast majority of the time that person is not discriminating against a person. It doesn't come up in everyday life, it, whatever sin it is. However, if the preacher is doing a sermon and he talks about a sin, it, it may offend somebody that practices that sin, no matter what the sin is. And that's the concern. I think the way I look at it, and I think the way I understand it to de-dramatize the thing, is smoking is bad. And if you smoke, then it's probably bad for you. Um, but I'm not going to club you over the head for it. And of obviously, I'm you know, doing that comparison, which is absolutely not the same. And the the fact that uh, uh, sexual orientation is not a choice, as I believe, uh, is important in that conversation. But if the attitude is comparable to, well, you shouldn't smoke. Um, all right. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> slippery slope. And I'm sure I'm going to get some very angry reactions to this whole conversation. We strayed from the topic a bit, I think. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but it's, Just a bit. It, it's the, the, the idea, the, the reason I 
wanted to dive into it, is that the idea that the government would want to shut down your church seems crazy to me, uh, Tony. And I'm sure a few people, at least at the very least, in outside of the U.S., hear this and are like, wait, what? Why? And, and so I wanted this explained a little bit. So that's why I dove into it. Well, uh, let me ask this, Patrick. Does the idea that, uh, and we'll, we'll have to use um, homosexuality in this instance because it, it makes the most sense. Does the idea that if someone made a, uh, a public proclamation that homosexuality was a sin, does the idea of them being fined in Canada or uh, the UK make sense? Um. The thing is, the U.S. is so religious that making that kind of pro proclamation might be equivalent to uh, uh, doing some kind of harm. If if they do it in France, everyone will be offended, and maybe it would be you know considered hate speech. But saying it's a sin relates to religion. And if some people, you know, a lot of people in France aren't religious, so it doesn't really affect us. It's like, oh, it's a sin. Okay. Uh, it's like saying homosexuality is blue. You're like, oh, okay, fine. Um, and even the people who are religious, I think, would just say, well, you're, you know, I'm not, I don't subscribe to that belief. Uh, obviously, it wouldn't go over well. You know, I'm not saying, oh, it would be great. It would be fine. No one would care. But saying it's a sin doesn't change your worldview in the way that it would in the U.S. Does that make sense? Yes, but I, the, the, the point that I was making is as we become, as the country becomes more liberal on those topics, the, the hate speech idea comes up and, mm. and that's that's where the concern lies. And I just yeah. want to say that this is Patrick's fault that we derailed, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Tony, Tony did try to avoid it. I'll vouch for you there. All right. I'll, I, I think that Americans are like, are very just uh, before, before we put it to sleep, I think that Americans are very like, um, worried about government overreach in general. You know, we've got it in our history. We've got a lot of that going on. Well, to, to be honest, I will, uh, uh, agree Tony, that I can see how this would be considered hate speech and, you know, find uh, uh, um, per instance. I don't, I, I think it would need to be a very, it's a far cry from closing down the church, right? That's, that's where I would stand on this. Uh, uh, it, uh, you know, fines, multiple fines, maybe, uh, but closing down a church, it would need to be a really, you know, uh, uh, significant departure from, I don't know. All right. And that's why I said we're not there yet, but maybe in the future. Oh. Okay. That, okay. Yeah. With maybes, you can do a lot of things. Uh, okay. So anyway, uh, the church reopened with those uh, social distancing measures. The kids are going back to school, correct? No, the no, the no, no. Kids are out of school for the summer, and it's looking like, at least at the moment, it's looking like next year it's going to be what they're calling a blended 
experience where they go a couple days a week, they stay home and do at home learning a couple days a week. And then the last day is like a planning day for teachers, which is a really bad situation for people in my area because our internet is not very good. And those kids, some of those kids at least that are trying to learn from home, they're at a very real disadvantage because of, of poor internet. And uh, yeah. that is a concern. Tony, if only you had a, an, a governmental infrastructure program that would have brought the internet to everyone as it did for electricity and transportation, that would have been so cool. And that's the only governmental infrastructure program that I want. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think I mean, you know, I think there I, is... I don't think anyone's going to disagree from this crowd on that, on that point. <laughs> we are a techie crowd. Yeah, that, that is... Yeah, fair. But it's, interesting. Gonna... <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because this situation does show why these kinds of infrastructures are important. Like, imagine some houses didn't have enough electricity to run more than a couple of light bulbs, you know? It, it's the same kind of situation, but um, I, I doubt the U.S. is going to have any kind of governmental program to develop internet infrastructure, even with all of this. But um, yeah. Oh, I I don't know. I mean, this has definitely changed the political landscape. I don't know about that mm -hmm. particular topic, but it's definitely changed what Americans are uh, talking about as far as what the government ought to do, needs to do, shouldn't do, etc. Really? In, right in and what left. way? Well, uh, I know that for I, I, you know, from people who I talk to on the Democratic side, Medicare for all is a big portion of their, you know, what of that conversation now, uh, whereas it, wasn't it was before. not. No. Uh, it, well, it was on the it was it was more of a radical viewpoint mm. um, for that conversation. And now it is seen as something that that maybe even uh, a moderate Democrat would would uh, vie for. Um, I think on on the right, it's it's a little hard to sift through the noise, um, but I would I would say that it it there is almost no way that this does not affect um, the the landscape of the 2020 election mm. and what is talked about, what what points are talked about. Interesting. How did things change on the conservative sides from what you're hearing? Tony, have you noticed anything? I haven't noticed a lot of shift in most of the political opinions. I do agree with Alex, though, that the, the 2020 election is going to be heavily impacted by this. Uh, Trump's in a, a real bad spot right now because his, his big strength was the economy, which is tanking, obviously. You, I, I can't blame him, although a lot of the talking heads are blaming him for the economy. Uh, but if he opens it up, they're going to blame him for any kind of outbreak uh, that comes back. So he's he's in trouble. I think he yeah he's he's in a bad spot. And and it doesn't help that he's you know am among a great many things that he is he is he is not a good communicator. Um, so it it you know it has been uh, difficult um, when he you know uh, when there are miscommunications such as. Uh, healthcare, you know, insurance companies are going to cover all testing or cover all expenses for coronavirus. And then insurance companies come out the next day and say, no, we're not. Um, those, those kind of things really did hurt the position. Is there any, okay, I'll, I'll ask a more general question. Um, do you guys think 
that someone else, uh, maybe Hillary Clinton, if we play revisionist history, uh, <laughs> would have handled this better than Trump or not? No. No, I don't okay. think so. I I think I think she might have been able to uh you know I think the communication side might have been better better executed. Well, yeah, that's that's um, not a hard that, ask. You know, especially especially in the Clinton house, you know. I mean that's that's that was sort of their big their big claim to fame was communication. Um correct, you know, <laughs> correct or incorrect uh, the, the facts of that. Um but yeah, I would say that it would probably have been, you know, more unified in how they covered it. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's being handled better. That just means that how it's being mishandled isn't being talked about as much. Tony, so I agree. I don't. I don't think they would have handled the the big issues from the federal level that have been pointed out were testing and equipment. And I don't think that would have been handled any differently, uh, at, at least the equipment. There's there's been a um, a lack of equipment for quite a while. And I don't think that would have changed under anybody else until it was needed to. And which is what happened. Mm. Yeah. The the only thing I, I will say I will posit as a possibility is that, um, you know, one of the big things that's got that has hurt uh our response to this was the defunding of the CDC. Um, and, and specifically there was a, there was a pandemic response program that we had that actually one of my clients, uh, helped make. And, um, it, it was apparently, I don't know the full story, but it was cut pretty severely. I believe, uh, the budget for that program and they had to take out a lot of people, including eyes in China. Um, and that very possibly could have helped us get the jump on it. Um, get the jump on this pandemic before it actually went, you know, be, came to came to America, or at least before we we started testing in America, and uh, that that could have changed uh, a lot. Maybe could have changed some. Tony, would you do you agree with this or or not? I I hate to say anything. I don't have any experience with that. Alex has a actual person that he's spoken to. I don't know about the the cutting of the CDC or I was thinking how, how would that have helped? And then he said the eyes in China, I could definitely see where that could have been helpful. So yeah, I, I can agree if that's the case, but I don't have any experience with that. You know, my, and, and it's important to know my experience is, is totally, you know, anecdotal. I know someone who was on it. That's all. Well, I mean, we <laughs> don't, none of us is part of the staff. Right. Um, but I will say my first reaction is, well, yes, of course. See, that's <laughs> why it would have been different. This is how it would have changed. Um, but then I look at other countries that do have uh, appropriate response teams and experts to advise them and all of that. And I don't think we really did a lot better. Um, I mean, Germany, probably, but... The UK, well, the UK is Boris Johnson, so that's another <laughs> issue. Uh, France didn't do super well. Italy didn't do super well. And like most countries, the the big thing, I guess, is when did you start responding and implementing social distancing? And did you implement tests early enough, which 
at the point we started doing social distancing, the cat was out of the bag. So tests weren't as efficient at that point, is my understanding. So the bottom line is we did have all of the experts and it, it didn't help us respond more quickly. So as much as I hate to admit it, and believe me, I hate to admit it, um, I don't know. Like maybe if you had had the, the CDC thing, the, the, the assumption is you would have had that team of experts they would have made a recommendation and the political decision makers would have followed that advice. And it seems like an obvious enough uh, uh, way of doing things, but that's not how it happened in any of our Western countries because we weren't used to, like literally a week before we implemented the lockdown in France or 10 days before, the president was going out to the theater and telling people, oh, we should not stop living and we should go out to the theater and stuff like that. And it's not that he's especially more dumb than everyone else. Like, Trump is in a special category on his own. But, like, every leader in the Western world did it. I think my only explanation is because we had never dealt with this and we didn't realize and we didn't understand, even though we read it in all the books and all our experts... <clears throat> told us that that and it turns out they were right it's just that you have a million experts telling you doom all the time i don't know it's like the, the bottom line is can can we do a fun thought experiment can we imagine a world where hillary clinton wins this all happens and she uh you know is doing the exact same thing donald trump is which is that she's you know running a big re-election campaign the economy is going just as well because the president actually has very little to do with that stuff and let's imagine this possible world where she doesn't shut down everything because that's, you know, probably the most reasonable way to go. And if you do, you're kind of make, taking an autocratic step. And then the Republican platform is Hillary Clinton is responsible for all these deaths because we didn't act fast enough. We didn't have the, 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 the things in place. And the Democratic platform is no, we should have, you know, no, we, you know, we acted properly and all this kind of stuff. This, again, I hate to say it, I can absolutely see how this is exactly what would have happened. So. I think, I think that's a really interesting <laughs> thing to think about. I don't know if it, I don't know. No, how, I, how think, valid. I think you're right that it, not because it would have been an autocratic thing, but I, the more I think about it, the more I understand that, a federal order to shut down the entire country. Again, I still think there would have been some coordination, help, any you know stuff needed, and not let the states vie for themselves and decide for themselves. But you know, recommendations, stuff, something. But I still think it wouldn't have been necessary to shut down the entire country. And I, I don't know that anyone thinks it would have been. But I'm guessing Clinton, if she had been elected, would have not shut down the entire country because it was reasonable, not because it was like this fantasy oh it's the government overreaching and it's an autocratic move it's you know she would have done what was needed and i can totally see the you know conservatives the the republicans saying that it should have been handled differently and that government doesn't work and all the usual arguments and sure that yeah. the the argument probably would have taken on a different flavor of yeah. like this is the government is too slow to react in this case yeah. and that's why we need you know etc cetera, etc cetera. 
Tony, do you want the last word on that thought experiment? Because we have to get out of here at some point. I agree. <laughs> Boom. Well, once again, we're all in agreement. Alex uh, takes the agreement cup that you can bring <laughs> home and uh, be proud of. Are you going to ship it to me? Am I paying shipping? You'll, you'll get it when things reopen. Uh, so in okay. about a couple of years. Because okay. I need to have it made. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much for that conversation. I think it was a little bit... Um, it went all over the place, but it's the kind of thing that happens when you sit down at a uh, uh, you know virtual table and talk about stuff with people you know that's it's a very different conversation from what happens on tv or in like in on social media and yeah it's a it's a pretty healthy conversation to have and as i always say even if we still disagree on many things and god knows we do <laughs> um or on some things maybe not on many things uh it's it's interesting to see that we can have these kinds of conversations and not hurl insults at one another. So that's a low bar that we cleared. Thank you very much to both of you. <laughs> um, where can people find your stuff if they want to hear more from you, Tony? Uh, your Twitter account, maybe? Sure. My Twitter account is at Tony Staley, T-O-N-Y-S-T-A-L-E-Y. And that's the best place. I'm somewhat active sometimes. <laughs> I'm always there, but I only post, I, I post randomly uh, and sporadically. If, if you uh, want sports talk, then probably the Tony's account is one you will enjoy. There's a lot Not of Not right now. Not right now. That's true. <laughs> Not a lot of sports going on, huh? There are, there yeah. are like virtual tournaments and video games and stuff, um, but I'm guessing that's not as exciting. I had to watch a cornhole tournament last Saturday, Patrick. Do you even know what that is? I have no idea. Uh, is it oh. like hauling corn? No, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's like a beanbag toss. It's is uh, are you uh, horseshoes? Do you have you seen horseshoes at all? You mean like the actual object? <sighs> A horseshoe? No, okay. No. He, he doesn't know up. anything, Alex. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you need to come on down south a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll teach you. We'll teach listen, you. We'll learn you. <laughs> once once uh, this whole affair is done, I will uh, make my way down there and learn all about the horseshoes and horn halls. Horn hole. hole. It's, it's, it's even worse than you think it is. Yeah. Horn hole. Yep. I'll, I'll uh, Google it later. Um, mm -hmm. Alex, what about yourself? Uh, yeah. Uh, we, my company now has a, uh, a Facebook page, so you can find me at uh, uh, Alex Mitchell SSC on Facebook. Um, you can also find the company I work for, Medical Empowerment Center, at... Um, me or stronger with mec on facebook uh you can find us at mec for life um that's our website www.mecforlife and uh let's see uh you can find me on instagram uh at a mitchell coach a mitchell coach on instagram perfect 
thank you very much to both of you. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It has stopped snowing. It was snowing today for like two hours. I was not happy. More than two hours. I guess like not. Actual, oh my God, I was very unhappy with Finland. And I let it know that I wasn't happy with it. Uh, but now it's sunny and wonderful, so you can see that on Instagram. And if you enjoy the show, uh, you can go to Patreon at patreon.com slash Club and support the show. Uh, please do so if you like what we do. If you get something out of what we do, even if you don't like it, that is uh, possible as well. And uh, yeah, so the show, the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much to all of those who do. And we will talk to you again in a few weeks. Bye.